Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How are all of you today? Doing well? Good, good to see you. Nice and socially distanced, I see, up in this corner of the room, but it's good to see all of you out there this morning and all of you watching online. Good to have you here with us today. Cold today, though, isn't it? Uh, we woke up this morning, our furnace wasn't running, and Faith and Jordan have these little thermostats on their clock, and Jordan comes out, Dad, why is it 53 degrees in my room? Like, that's not a good sign. So I called Scott McDonald, took off the furnace panel, and the furnace kicked right back on doing that. And I said, hey, we have heat again. He goes, that's actually not a good sign that that's all you have to do. So something's up with that. But I'm thankful, right? Like, we still have heat. We're worshiping people in Texas right now. That's a bad deal, isn't it? A lot of people still without power. So we were singing that song about God's evidence uh, all over our lives. Like, that's something I was thinking of during that. Like, God, you're so good. Like, we have, we have heat. We're worshiping in person. You realize there are still people in some places of the country that aren't gathering together in person for worship? We've been doing that since June. So we have so much to be thankful here for, guys. We really, really do. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for God's word. And we're going to dig into the very last section of the Sermon on the Mount today, which we started back in August of last year. Took a break at Christmas time. But if you want to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, We'll start at verse 24 here in just a moment. Any of you have um, any of those books for dummies? You know what I'm talking about? Those ones that are like yellow. Any, anybody in here have any books for dummies? Those are crazy, aren't they? That Like I've heard to date that over 200 million copies of those have sold. Over 2,500 different titles of such and such for dummies, right? That shows that there are a lot of people out there hungry for wisdom or knowledge that they can get about a certain subject matter pretty quickly. I, I like what one person said about uh, why they buy the books. They said, these books take the intimidation out of the learning process. Whatever the subject matter, they spell it out to me in simple terms. They make the complex understandable so that even a regular guy like me can get it. That's pretty cool. Uh, now there are books like bird watching for dummies, entertaining for dummies, fishing for dummies, investing for dummies, parenting for dummies. Did you realize there's even acne for dummies? There's green smoothies for dummies, and there's even gardening with free-range chickens for dummies. Wow, I bet that's a, a hot seller. But that's so true what that guy said about these. They take they take wisdom about something that, that may seem un, inaccessible to me, and they break it down where an ordinary guy like me can understand it. Friends, that's what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount with God's wisdom. He takes the, the ageless, timeless wisdom of God, and he puts it in language that an ordinary guy like me or an ordinary guy or girl or gal like you can just grab this and, and take it and own it. And like I said, we've started this back in August of last year, and here we are at the mic drop moment of all mic drop moments in history when Jesus is done with the Sermon on the Mount, and he's like, peace out. He said what he needed to say, and he walks off the mountain with this message. And here's how he wraps it all up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I want you to read this on the screen as it comes up. What does he say there in verse 24? He says, therefore, right? Let's try that again. He says, therefore. As in, well, I heard somebody once a long time ago say, anytime that word therefore shows up in the Bible, we should figure out what it's there for, right? So what is Jesus saying with that word therefore? Essentially what he's saying is, all right, in light of everything I just told you, we know it as Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But he was up on the mountainside giving this sermon or this message, and he gets to the end and he's like, okay, in light of everything I just told you, 
What, what has he told us? Well, I figured that we're here at the end. This might be a really good time to just kind of do a review of all the things that we've learned. And if you've been with us through this whole portion of walking through the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of this is going to sound very familiar to you. What are the things Jesus told us? Well, he told us in the Sermon on the Mount that those who are in the kingdom of God have the good life. That's the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody who's part of the kingdom of God has the good life. You're living the dream. Up there has come down here and it's available to absolutely anybody who wants to be a part of it through Jesus. He, he told us that once we're in the kingdom, we're like salt and like light. We are salt, we are light. As salt, we preserve, we create thirst for God. We heal in society and as light, our good deeds make known to the world that Jesus is real. Our goodness and our righteousness as kingdom people will surpass that of just external rule keeping because it'll be a righteousness of the heart where God has come to live inside. And because of this, the kingdom will show up in me when I'm angry, when I'm tempted to lust, when my marriage is difficult, when I'm tempted to fudge the truth, when I want to get even, when somebody's my enemy. Jesus told us about all of those things. He said when we're kingdom people, God's approval is what will only count in our lives. And we won't care about what other people think. And that will show up when we do things like when we give, when we pray, and when we fast. A kingdom person will say, my treasures are in heaven, not here on earth. I'm not going to let anything on this earth cloud my vision. And because my father cares for me in all things, I'm going to stop worrying. A kingdom person has made life-changing decisions like, I'm not going to judge other people. Instead, I'm only going to help them and encourage them humbly on their spiritual journey. Because God gives good gifts all the time, I'm just going to keep on praying with persistence. I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated. Do unto others as they would have them do unto you, right? We talked about what Jesus meant in that. And as a kingdom person, I realize I've come to a fork in the road. A lot of people are going to choose a wide and broad path of how they're going to go through life. But I'm going to follow the narrow one that seems like fewer people at times follow. And I'm going to follow that one. I'm going to follow hard right after Jesus. And I'm going to know how to recognize truth when I hear it. And I'm going to live by obedient faith because I'm a kingdom person. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount about the identity of a kingdom person. And he gets to the end of it and says, therefore, in light of all those things that I told you about being a kingdom person, therefore, listen to this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Some of you know the, the old kids song, right? Wise man built his house upon the rock, right? Wise man built his house upon the rock. Same thing about foolish man. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the same thing happened. The rains came tumbling down. Rains came down, floods came up. Rain came down, floods came up. My favorite part of the whole song when I was a kid was when you get to the end of the house on the sand, it went, right? You know, and when you're a kid, you get to make that loud noise if you're in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. This is the story where that song comes from. One of the greatest teachings that Jesus ever gave. Now, why is he talking about houses? Well, the house is just a metaphor for our lives. And Jesus is saying that everybody who puts 
his words into practice, will build a great life. Isn't that what you hope for? Honestly, it sure is what I hope for. I long to build a great life. I long to build a great life so I can be a blessing to my wife, to my kids, to my extended family, to my friends, to my church family here at First Christian. I want to build a great life. And Jesus says, everybody who takes his words that he just shared here in the Sermon on the Mount, God's wisdom, everybody who takes that and applies it, you're going to build a great life. God's wisdom works and embracing it will result in a house or a life that's firmly built on rock. Now, Jesus wants us to know that everybody builds a house. You know that, right? Every, everybody builds a life. Everybody's tending a soul. Everybody's building a character. We all do that. And a lot of times we do that without even realizing the choices we're making. But our lives or our houses get built choice by choice. How will I spend my time? Like, what words will I speak? What are the thoughts I'm going to allow to occupy my mind and where are they going to come from? How am I going to spend my money? What people will I allow to form me and shape me? Right now, you're building a life. You're building a character. You're tending a soul. In Jesus' words, in this metaphor, you're building a house. You're building a life. You are, right in this moment, choice by choice. Now, in the story of these two builders who are building a house or building a life, something is similar Something similar happens to them. Anybody know what it is? If you do, just shout it out. What's the, what's the similar thing that happens to both of them as they build? Anybody? I'll help you out. Storm came. Common denominator for both of the builders? Storms. Storms don't know any boundaries and they don't play any favorites. Storms are a common experience to everybody that's building a life. And both builders in Jesus' story, they faced the same storm. You caught what it said, right? The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. That happened to both of them. Didn't matter where they built. It, that happened to both of them. Now, some people may look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and walk away saying, Wow, that's some really tough stuff. I don't know if I can apply all of that, but if I work really hard at it and maybe I get good at it, then my life is just going to be one blessing and rainbow after another, right? Well, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that, yes, you're going to be blessed putting these words into practice, but you have to realize there's a common denominator for everybody that builds a life, and that is that storms will come. The reality is that life is full of storms, and storms are no respecter of persons. At some point, the rains are still going to come. At some point, the streams are still going to rise. And at some point, the winds are going to blow and beat against your house or against your life. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. It can be kind of unexpected sometime. Maybe a, a heart attack out of the blue or a job loss or a cancer diagnosis, a car accident or heaven forbid, a hyper-politicized virus that comes out of nowhere, right? And all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of a storm. And don't be confused, God's wisdom helps to build great lives, but you're not going to get through life without storms or without troubles. Jesus himself even says in one other place in the Gospels, in this world you will have trouble. And my friend, in fact, you will. There are troubles in this world where we live, in this fallen state that is not heaven, in this sin-filled arena in which we live, you're, you're going to face storms. 
Now, we may want to ask questions about storms, like, God, why, why did the storm come, or why wasn't I spared from it, from its harshness? But instead of focusing on the storm itself, Jesus wants us really to notice here what's different in the story. So there's a commonality. The, these builders both face storms, but the difference that Jesus wants us to see in the story about building lives is how people prepare. That's the difference. Storms have a really strange way of revealing our preparation, don't they? We can know that they're coming, but not everybody's ready when they do. So one of the builders in Jesus' story built his house on sand. Perhaps it was some really attractive beachfront property, and maybe when he was done, the house was quite lovely. But the other man built his house on the rock, possibly even just uphill from where that man on there, the person that built their house on the beachfront property or on the sand. Now, this story that I read from here of Jesus, this one always gets my imagination going. And probably far more often than I should, my mind goes into like movie producer role. And I think about how I would screen something or how I would build scenes. So I want to tell you a little bit about what this looks like as a movie in my mind, all right? As the way Jesus tells this story anyway. So if I'm going to make a movie out of this, I've got one family having a picnic on the beach. It's a nice sunny day, wonderful family. They're grilling stuff. They're sitting in their beach chairs, right? Another family's in their house up on the hill. They're also having dinner. They're around the dining room table. They're having a great time. All of a sudden, this fast-moving storm comes in. Cut away to the family on the beach. They see the storm, they feel the wind, they feel some rain starting to come down. So very quickly, they, they gather up their beach chairs, they get all their grilling equipment, they get all the stuff they had with them down on the beach, and they head for the house as fast as they can. Family up on the hilltop, let's cut to them. They're finishing up dinner, they're putting their dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Back to the beachfront family. They're now inside their house, they're drying off with towels, but suddenly it really starts raining hard. Like you can hear the wind whipping against the house and it's throwing rain up against the windows with great force. And one of the children says, wow, it's nasty outside, isn't it? Sure glad we got inside when we did. And no sooner has the kid said that than all of a sudden there's this eerie creaking sound. And it's coming from down in the area of the basement. And everybody in the family just immediately looks at their feet. And then they hear the sound again, but this time it's louder. And then suddenly, a whole portion of the side of the house just gives way. The family falls to the floor. There's glass breaking, things falling off the shelves, people screaming. Cut away to the family in the house on the rock. Classical music playing. Dad sitting on the sofa, scanning his iPad. Mom's reading a book. The kids are playing quietly on the rug. Cut back to the family that built their house on the beachfront property. More noise, more screaming, more things breaking. Cut away back to the family in the house up on the rock. Mom yawns. She's covered in a blanket. She turns a page of her book. Cut away again to the family that's down on the sand. There's still more shouting, more screaming. Up at the house on the rock. Kid is moving his hot wheels car across the floor more classical music house on the sand let's cut back to them another side of the house whoom, it falls off and the dad yells over the crash of everything that's going on we got to get out of here the whole thing's going to go so he gets a family they run for the door and no sooner do they exit the house out into the storm and 
whoosh, a whole house falls down. Wow, and I put a lot of like Dolby surround sound volume into the house falling down. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's say that we, that we personally know the builder of the house on the sand. It's the day after their house came down with a great crash. Why'd you choose to build your house there? What do you think they'd say? Why, why did you choose sand? My guess is that builder would say, I don't know. Just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. We didn't put a whole lot of thought in it. Weren't really expecting the storms to be that severe, you know? I don't know. I never will get an answer. Just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. John Ortberg has said, nobody gets married and plans on getting divorced. Nobody meets somebody at the office and plans on having an affair. Nobody has a child and plans to neglect them or wreck them or hurt them. Nobody goes out into the world and plans to be greedy or selfish or racist. Nobody go, plans to go through life and become bitter or joyless or live in despair. And absolutely nobody plans on going to hell, right? Why'd you build your house on the sand? I, I don't know. Just, just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. I didn't put a ton of thought into it. Matthew 7, 25, Jesus says of the other house, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its, it had its foundation on the rock. Now, a casual observer might not have noticed a whole lot of difference between two physical houses because foundations are, are below the surface and they're, they're typically not seen, at least when it comes to a physical structure of a house. But storms have a really strange way of making them suddenly evident. Storms have a way, again, of revealing the preparations that we've made. And when you consider how a great life is built, my friend, Somewhere underneath that life, there has to be bedrock. Somewhere underneath a the life, there has to be a foundation that's built on something solid. And Jesus is letting us know here that there is a way to build a great life, and it's to build it upon the wisdom of God that comes from the teaching that he himself gives. Now remember, Jesus is God come to earth. Jesus is God in the flesh come to earth. He's brought heavenly wisdom here. He's told us how to live, right? He's told us all these things about what a kingdom person is and what a kingdom person does. And then he said, therefore, if you want to build a great life, put this stuff into practice. Because when you do, it's bedrock. It's rock solid. It'll make your life, in a sense, stormproof. You're not going to lose it all. You're not going to find yourself just utterly lost when a storm comes in. That'll never happen because your life will be built on the rock. Friends, we're living in a day and age where so many foundational things are being called into question, aren't we? People right and left are, are questioning what we once thought were foundational ways to build a rock-solid life. 
and are throwing out other alternatives and things about how maybe there really isn't any point to this life or maybe there aren't the answers we thought there were to explain them and you just have to find them yourself. Or sometimes people are, are throwing out perceived modern wisdom and it's completely contrary to things that God has said in the Bible are the wise ways in which to build a great life. Jesus says all that stuff that runs contrary or is different to what God's laid out as wisdom in the Bible, that stuff is sand. That's not a foundation that will get you through life and build a great life. And that stuff gets exposed really quickly when a storm or a tough season comes in your life. And sometimes it feels like, man, we're going to lose it all because we didn't build on the rock. I've been reading the, the book of Proverbs, and there, there's an, a really interesting section in Proverbs chapter 1 where the writer has wisdom become a character, and wisdom herself begins to speak, okay? So if that kind of makes sense, here's wisdom personified, or wisdom the character speaking, and she says, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you, I'll make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard my advice and do not accept my rebuke, wisdom says, in turn, I'll laugh when disaster strikes you, I'll mock when calamity overtakes you. And listen to this part. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. Does that sound familiar? What Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7? when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind. In other words, when the rains come down, when the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against your life, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They'll look for me, but they'll, they'll not find me since they hated knowledge and they did not choose to fear the Lord. They built their house on the sand, in other words. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they'll eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools, the foolish builder, the complacency of the fool will destroy them. But... Wisdom says, whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Jesus is pulling a lot of concepts, I believe, right from there that his hearers would have known about the effects of God's wisdom. When we build on the rock, our house, our life, will stand firm. Who in here besides me wants to build a great life? Anybody? I'm so glad to hear that. Here's what Jesus says about how to do it. The underlying principle. If your foundation is secure, there is no storm that will take out your life. That is Jesus' absolute promise to you. If your foundation is secure, no storm will make your house or your life collapse. None. You won't be able to come up against any illness, any difficulty, any financial situation, any relationship struggle, any politicized virus. You won't come up against anything that will make your life collapse. Nothing. Because your foundation will be on the absolute rock, Jesus Christ himself. What's a great life? One that never has any hardship? Absolutely not. Jesus has already told us storms are going to come. But the life of the wise builder, here's Jesus' words, 
puts them into practice, and get this, they fully surrendered their lives in every way to God. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. A kingdom person has surrendered their life to God so that they can be salt and so that they can be light. A kingdom person lives for God and God alone. A kingdom person is obedient to God's teachings and God's ways. Jesus says, if you turn your heart over to me, this is what life looks like. It's never going to collapse, no matter the storm. I want to, I want to finish with one quick story here for you and a, and a challenge, and we'll be done. There's a couple by the name of Warren and Pam Adams that lost their house on the Gulf Coast in Gilchrist, Texas, during Hurricane Rita. After they lost that house, though, they decided to rebuild, but they resolved to make their new house withstand the most powerful force imaginable. They set out to build a house that would sustain and stay up through a Category 5 hurricane. They started with a more storm-resistant foundation, and they dug deep, deep, deep down to build the pillars for their foundation. And they built not only stronger, but higher. The bottom floor of their house was 22 feet above sea level. Well, three years later, their new house was put to the test when Hurricane Ike hit the Gulf Coast region and came right to their little beach community. By the time Hurricane Ike was gone, so was the fire station, so was the post office, and so were all of the 200 or so houses on the Gulf side of the beach, except for one house. I wanna show you a real picture here. Take a look at this. That is for real, folks. That's the house of Warren and Pam Adams on the Gulf Coast, Texas, after Hurricane Ike. Only house on the Gulf side standing. The only house on the Gulf side standing. How could one house survive when not one other single structure did? It's because of the foundation. It was 100% because of the foundation they built that was entirely different than the foundation of any of those other homes. And it withstood a Category 5 hurricane. Stunning, isn't it? Think about what Jesus is telling you about your life. He's promising you that if you build your house on the rock-solid foundation of his teachings and on the wisdom of God, your life will be like that house of Warren and Pam Adams. Yeah, the rains may come down, the streams may rise, the winds may blow and beat against your life, but you're going to be collapse-proof. You're going to be storm-proof. You'll walk through that storm with your life intact. You will far from lose it all because you will have your foundation in who you are in Christ secure. You'll know who you are, what you are here to do, and where you're headed. That will never, ever go away. That's Jesus' promise for everybody who builds their life on the rock of his teaching. No storm is going to make you lose it all. Never. Never will that happen. So, my friend, I want to ask you today, is the life you're building right now stormproof? Do you have your life on a foundation that will be able to withstand Category 5 circumstances when they may come your way? Because if it hasn't already, there's, there's a storm somewhere on the horizon. You can't make it through life without some 
kinds of difficulties and some kind of storms. You may be somebody here today who has yet to fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If that's the case, Jesus's call to you is one that's, that's quite simple. He's saying, turn your life over to me. Let me be your life leader, the forgiver of your sins. Let me be your Lord, your savior. Follow my teaching, become my disciple. It's simple to understand. It's, it's sometimes hard to take that initial step, but if you've not done that yet, my friend, there's no certainty that your house is being built on any kind of foundation that will withstand any storm. That's just Jesus' basic truth to you right there. He's the foundation that will be secure. Have you given your life over to him and started building on that foundation? If you haven't, friend, that's the application for you today from this teaching. I also know that a lot of you in here have already done that. You have turned your life over to Jesus. You've begun to build your life on that foundation. But Jesus' teaching here is to take his words and to put them into practice. And I have to wonder if maybe there aren't some of us here today who are really struggling with an area of obedience to Jesus. And you and you alone in this moment maybe know that, yep, 100% for sure, I am not putting that teaching of Jesus Christ to work in my life. I've been resistant to that area, or I've been putting it off, or I've been struggling with it, temptation's been really hard, whatever it is. As you sit here this morning, you may know that there is some area of your life that's not in line with obedience to Jesus. Now, I don't know if that means when a storm comes that, like, it's going to make your whole house collapse. I, I doubt it. But here's what can happen. That means you have an area of your life, if you're not obedient to Jesus, you have an area of your life that isn't storm-proof. And storms have a strange way of revealing foundations. And maybe there's some real hurt that could potentially come to you, to your spouse, to people in your family. Maybe some real hurt to your friends and loved ones. Anytime we're out of alignment with the teaching of Jesus, we expose ourselves to danger of storms. So maybe for you today, the wisdom of what Jesus is teaching is, boy, I got to get my life in alignment with what Jesus is saying. I need to become a fully obedient follower. Yeah, I've tried to build my house on the rock, but my, my foundation is kind of rock and kind of sand. Is that anybody here today? Kind of rock, kind of sand? Get that squared away. Today's a great opportunity. Jeremy's going to lead us in a song that we sang a moment ago. It's all about Christ being magnified in our lives. And when we sing that in a moment, maybe today is your time to say, Jesus, be magnified in my life. I'm going to build exclusively on you and the rock of your teaching. Not kind of rock, not kind of sand. I'm going to be a rock kind of guy or I'm going to be a rock kind of lady. You may need some help from other people here today for that to be the case. You may need some encouragement or some accountability from somebody else. Today might be a day where you just, before you go, reach out to somebody else and say, I'm really struggling. Matthew was talking about that kind of rock, kind of sand person. That's me. Can you pray for me? Can you hold me accountable? I'm going to tell you something that's kind of ugly right now about myself, but this is what's going on. I know you won't judge me, but I need some help because my, my life's not fully on the rock. Maybe that's you today. I'm just throwing out some options for some ways you can apply this. Well, Jeremy's going to lead us in this song, and let's stand together and sing this. 
And as we're singing Christ Be Magnified, if you want to make a public decision today that like, yeah, I want Jesus to lead my life, you come on up here to the front and we'll help you share that publicly. If you want to get things right and not be a kind of rock, kind of sand person, you can come up and share that. Or right where you stand and sing. You give that up however you want. But let's sing this together. If you have a decision, though, that you want to share publicly, why don't you come?